Amen. Thanks, Dan. Wow, that three minutes goes so fast, doesn't it? I was like, Noah, come on, move, move, move. I've got to get back to preach. Um, so well done, everybody that managed to get back up and check your kids in. Uh, this morning, we are opening a piece of scripture together from our series entitled, We Are Being Transformed to Bring Transformation. And we're looking at a letter that a guy called Peter sent to the early church. And Peter was one of the disciples that Jesus called to follow him during his earthly ministry. He was one of Jesus' closest friends and also the guy that Jesus said, lead in my church, look after my church for me. So he's writing to encourage the church in a time of massive persecution, when believers are dying for their faith. And we've been looking at Peter's challenge to the early Christians to live by God's best for them in a society that held different values, that we should be witnessing to others about our faith by loving other people well, by responding graciously to opposition, by being a people that pursue peace and being ready to explain the hope that we have in God. In essence, he's been saying to the church, you know, the world is watching you. They know that you can preach it, but are you practicing it? Are you being tender-hearted? Are you being compassionate? Are you not retaliating? Is there evidence in your life of the transformation that has come through knowing Jesus that's making you stand out? Now, this isn't about having a superior attitude. How many times have we maybe heard people say, you Christians, you just think you're so much better than the rest of us, but you're not. And you know what? The reality is, we're not. We're still broken in a bunch of ways. We still fall short of God's best for us. And sometimes God brings us transformation and healing in an instant. But often it's a long journey of, with God of being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. So it's true, we're, we're not always better, but we are better off. We're better off for a couple of reasons. The first is that we have the Holy Spirit of God in us who brings transformation to us as we're open to his work and his leading. And secondly, we're ultimately not judged on our own merit, but on Jesus's and his grace for us. And we're going to explore that a little bit later. But for those of us who are Christians in the room, our response to God's generosity needs to be trying to get our hearts in line with his, in blessing his world. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to look at our scripture together. Holy Spirit, we pray this morning, be with us, bring your truth, bring your hope to us. Lord, come say what you would say, do what you would do, make our hearts open and obedient. Lord, if you don't turn up to bring glory to your name, to encounter us, to make yourself known, then these are just words. But we believe that there is power here this morning from you because we believe you want us to know you more. So Lord, what is just of me helps to be quickly forgotten, but what is of you, Lord, plant deep in our hearts. Use it to bring transformation and life in all of its fullness, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the words will pop up up here shortly. We're reading from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? 
But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who, will, who may speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it's better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Thanks be to God. What a great piece of scripture for us to be looking at this morning as we've presented Mary and Robin and Jessica and Faye and Nick and Lucy and Will have dedicated themselves to raising these girls um, in households of living faith. This morning, these parents haven't made promises on behalf of their girls to God, but they have dedicated themselves to providing an environment where their daughters will have every opportunity to decide for themselves whether to step into the living hope that we have in Jesus and choose to follow him for themselves. We believe that the way these guys live is going to prompt their girls to ask questions about faith. And questions are really important. It's an amazing way that we learn. And our faith is robust enough to handle it. One of the things we really value at the Oak is being a spirit-filled people who engage with God's word and spirit. And that means getting stuck in with asking really big questions. In fact, Jesus models this perfectly for us as he would. But he asked, if you spend time in the Gospels and you look at them, you'll see as he interacts with people, he asks a ton of questions. You know, what do you think about that? Well, why do you think it works that way? Questions are not the enemy of faith, but they are a means of it strengthening and deepening. God designed us to be thinking, capable beings for a reason. And as these guys model faith to the girls, Hopefully they're going to question why they have this hope. And our prayer is that their parents will be gentle and respectful in the nurturing responses that they give their girls. Our deepest desire is for them to develop this faith for themselves, which will give them a secure hope. Now, this isn't a fake hope. Um, when we often think about hope, normally we're kind of talking about optimism. We hope for the best, we prepare for the worst. And if I were to ask what your hopes were this morning for Mary and Robin and Jessica's futures, and if you don't know them well, then somebody else that you love well, or somebody, or maybe for yourself, what are your hopes for the future? I'm sure that you could probably come up with a list of great stuff health and happiness, maybe a secure job, successful life. But the problem is, although these things can be such great blessings, they can also lead to some pretty dashed hopes and disappointments. Getting what we hoped for and finding that it was a little disappointing, that we needed something more. But I believe there is something more for them and for us. I believe there is a hope that doesn't disappoint. What's this hope that Christians have? It's a joyful expectation for the future. 
It's based on true events from the past and has a huge impact on our present. That Jesus came to save us from our sins and invite us back into family with him. It's that simple and yet that profound. So hope isn't just a warm, fuzzy feeling. Neither is it based on our circumstances or things behind us, within us or in front of us. Hope enables us to thrive in this world, knowing that God loves us, he's for us, and he is with us. It's massively rooted in our identity. If you know Jesus this morning, then you're God's people. He says you're his dearly loved children adopted into his family. Don't forget who you are, that's your identity. Because culture tries to define us saying, well, you are what you wear, or you are what you own, or maybe what you owe, you are where you live. And it begins to say that your identity is actually just based in a whole load of stuff. And that's going to limit you, and that's going to label you, and it's going to stop you living in the freedom that God intended for you. Culture says you're either a success or you're a failure. You're either attractive or you're not. You're either really likely to succeed, or sorry, you're kind of doomed to failure. And it will often describe us by our function and not by our destiny. It says you are what you do as a job or you are who you are in your family or your relationships. But that's not who you are. This morning you're a forgiven people. Even when we rebel against God, he says, come back to me. Seek my forgiveness. Know that you are forgiven and adventure with me again. God's word tells us that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that means we no longer stand in a place of shame or unhelpful comparison. We can see ourselves the way God sees us. Just as a side note, don't allow your own inability to apply forgiveness to your life to rob you of the freedom of God. Crucial to living in this hope is embracing this identity that we are beloved children of the creator of the universe, that he loves us because he loves us because he loves us. We don't need to stress and strive. This is what's going to enable us to live as a hope-filled people. Joy-bringing, peace-loving, grace-sharing, kingdom-loving people. This is who I am. This is what I'm for. It's the truth that I'll stand on. It's a secure hope. It's not being optimistic. It's being confident. It's having that confident assurance and certain trust that the God who defeated sin and death on the cross cannot be overcome by any amount of darkness. It's claiming the promises of scripture that we read right at the back of this, uh, right at the start of this season, that God has an inheritance for us as his kids for an eternity, and that that will never perish, spoil, or fade. It's been kept for us. Guys, that means no fear in death. You know, that's a been a big one for me over the last couple of uh, months, talking to friends about why I don't need to fear death because I know that my saviour has me on the other side. That's an amazing hope for us to have. But it's not just on the other side, there is a hope for us in this life too, that we can live as people beloved of God. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19 
tell us that this hope is an anchor for our souls. And that anchor doesn't hold us back and stop us from moving. It holds us in our eternity and moves us forward towards a time when we will be in his presence perfectly. Our future home and inheritance is guaranteed. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can be set free to spend forever with God in heaven. It's guaranteed if you accept the invitation that Jesus extends to you. The end of our passage this morning said, For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous Jesus for the unrighteous us. To bring you to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We heard that, the dedications. And that's exclusive. The only way to God is through Jesus. The only way to the Father is through him. But it's also inclusive because it is for all of us that will accept that invitation. This hope is fundamental to us as human beings being released into our potential. Have a look around this room. How much potential is there in this room? Hope changes everything. But as I said uh, a few weeks back when I preached on hope, again, it's a great topic to get, uh, it's not a sedative that helps us just to relax and wait it out. Hope should be a shot of adrenaline that spurs us into action. We don't want to wait complacently for him to come back going, oh, it's all right because I'm sorted, thanks very much. I've got free and I'm just going to hang out and hold on to my get out of hell free card. No, we're supposed to be on mission with him so that other people get to experience the hope of God, being spurred into, an, into action by a world that is desperately in need of this living hope, called to join God's mission, to see the world transformed through Jesus' power, to change lives. And that's why this passage calls us to do good. Acts 10, verse 38, in, in the description of who Jesus was, said he was full of the holy spirit and power and he went about doing good don't underestimate the power of doing good it is powerful and it's important that we realize there's a biblical mandate for us to do good we want to be transformed more and more into jesus's likeness now god loves us exactly as we are we don't need to do anything to earn it but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way because he has better for us. He has a freedom for us to step into. You know, ever since I became a Christian, I've just longed to look more like Jesus. Because he's so full of grace and he's so full of mercy and he's so full of forgiveness. And we can use those things as a stick to beat ourselves with going, oh, I'm just so not there yet. Or we can just say the Holy Spirit lives in me and he's bringing about this transformation for his glory. And that there is forgiveness when I mess those things up and he just picks me up and tells me to go again. There's a freedom he wants us to walk in and there's a world he wants us to love. He says, let me come to me, let me clean you up, let me do a work of holiness in you. Let me help you look a bit more like me. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. So this isn't about us just gritting our teeth and going, oh, we have to do good and we have to love people better because that's always going to end badly. 
if it starts from me comforting others with my own strength, it's going to run out. But if I comfort others with the comfort I receive from him, those around me get blessed. If I don't do that, they get shortchanged. The only way this happens is the Holy Spirit of God filling us and equipping us. Because Galatians 5 gives us a great picture of what that looks like, what the fruit of that spirit looks like. He says it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. Let's keep in step with that spirit. So how does this happen? Well, we lean into him. We listen to his promises for us so that we can know who we are and whose we are, that we're a people created for a purpose. And as we spend time in his presence, we start to look a little bit more like him as we get transformed, and hopefully other people notice that too. We're going to look at a bit of scripture that's really important to us as a church for reasons that hopefully will become obvious. Um, and as we do that, we see what Jesus looks like and what doing good looks like. And it's taken from Isaiah 61. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And some of you thought we were just called the oak because we really love trees. Or maybe sounding a bit like a pub. But no, this is who, this is who we want to be. This is who we believe God's called us to be and what it means like to do good. As Isaiah 61 is speaking to a whole bunch of people who have ended up feeling a bit lost and hopeless and wondering how on earth things are going to pan out. And the passage starts by saying... Yeah, to be fair, at the minute, life kind of sucks. There's despair, there's brokenheartedness, there's captivity. Back then when you mourned, you literally covered your head with ashes. But this passage says, instead of that heaviness and that hopelessness, he wants to give you joy. It says your brokenness is going to get healed. A divine exchange is happening and that a crown of beauty is going to replace the ashes on your head. And Jesus comes years later, and at his first preaching gig in his hometown, he pulls this one out, and he reads it, and he says, that's me, that's what I'm about. Good news to the poor, that's me. Binder of the broken hearts, that's me. The one who brings freedom and release from darkness, yeah, that's still me, and on and on. And he dies for our sins and he rises again and he tells us, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. They receive the same Holy Spirit and now God's people are carrying his hope and we carry that hope to our world. So it's not just your circumstances that are being restored, but it's also your calling. You're getting restored and healed so that you can be involved in the restoration and the healing of others. You get to be part of God's big repair job. 
People can see what God's doing in you and the hope that you have and know that that's true for their lives too as you point them to Jesus. But all of this isn't without risk. Our passage today was pretty clear. At some level, the darkness of the world is going to push back against the good. If you go into a room full of people sat in the dark and the pupils are dilated and they're just used to darkness and you switch on a big light, it's jarring and it's painful and it's exposing and all they want to do is get that light to stop. Jesus was perfect goodness. Jesus was perfect light and they killed Jesus. Jesus tells us in John 15, if the world hated you, it hated me first. If they hate, if they hate me, they're going to hate you too. You might suffer, you might be threatened, you might be slandered. But as verse 15 says, set your hearts apart as, with Christ as the Lord. Choose to care more about what Jesus thinks about your actions than others. Ask him to set you free from the fear of others and the need for their approval. So when people see you doing good, you get to point them to Jesus. Don't be suckered into taking the praise for yourself. Point them to him. We get to do a, a bunch of great stuff as this church, as the oak. But if that just results in people thinking, well, the, the oak's a really nice bunch of people, and God's not getting the glory, then our community has been massively shortchanged because we haven't extended the offer to come and share in the hope of knowing him. We've got an anointing for this. Not just that we get to have a good local reputation and help a few people around Leeds and Bradford so these things happen. Every time someone gets helped to battle an addiction or every time a lonely person gets welcomed into community, we're working within our anointing. You know, when Lucy's out befriending refugees, she's working in her anointing. When you choose to go against the flow and not join in with gossip or slander, that's what you're called to. In your workplaces or in college or school, when you are standing up for integrity and fairness, that's your calling. There's an anointing on you for that. When we choose to place ourselves in dark places where God's light needs to shine, we're stepping into our anointing. Church, this is why we gather. We don't just love standing, looking in one direction, facing a screen that normally works, but not today, looking at a telly. We don't just love to get crammed into a building that's really, really noisy. But we gather here to be equipped and to be sent back out because God's got important tasks for us to do as we join him in mission. He's sending us back out to be the people that lead others to the healer of broken hearts, to bring this invitation to come and meet with him. This morning, that's what he wants to do too. That's what he wants to do in you. He wants to bring you freedom from all the things that have imprisoned you or held you back so that you can be part of the liberation of others to take your darkness away and give you light. He can take our mourning away and our doubts and he can use those experiences of his faithfulness in those tough times to bring hope to others who are going through the same kind of stuff to encourage them. God doesn't bypass us because we are messed up and decide to use someone else. Otherwise, he'd be using none of us. 
know, look at, this, look at the scriptures. Seriously, there's a whole bunch of messed up people in there. And in all of their brokenness, God does something miraculous. He chooses to work in and through us because it's for his glory. And he's changing us in the process. So broken, doubting people like you and me get cleaned up and restored and commissioned and sent back out. He calls you oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of the glory of the Lord. People get to see you loving people, see you responding to hostility with blessing and pursuing peace. People get to see you living out what it means to live with hope and they want to know why. You get to go be good news on your street or at the school gates. You get to go to people that are struggling in their own strength, that are weighed down by an obsession to fix things, that are overwhelmed by the limits of their own capacity. Those that are saying, how am I going to make this work? You get to encourage them to look up, that there is a different perspective, there is a different focus, there is another hope for our lives. We get to go to people that are desperately in need of an anchor when everything is shifting. People that need to know a fixed point and say that the word of the Lord is steadfast and unchanging. Culture is so fluid, we can't stand the weight of our life on it, but we can build something on this steadfast hope. We can bring our kids up to know something solid. He who marked out the heavens, who numbered them and named them, knows you by name. The same God knows how you feel, how you think, and he has come for you. This God who forgives you and makes a way for you to come back to him. He's also saying, go out and love others well, be a blessing. Love God, love his family, love his world. Our passage today said, be prepared to give the reasons for your hope. That's not winning an argument. That's caring for people. That's taking time to listen to what they're really asking and being ready to share the reasons for your faith. That also means not ramming it down people's throats when it's not the moment. Let God lead on when the time is right and what opportunities he's opening up. One of the best bits of advice I was ever given about sharing the gospel was about thimbles and cups and it was if somebody comes to you and they've got a question and their question is really the kind of a cup the size of a thimble then whatever you do do not go pouring a huge jug's worth of answers into it it's not gentle they're going to get soaked the experience is going to be unpleasant but if you fill that little thimble sized cup which is what they're asking you to do, and what they feel they've got the ability to cope with at the time, they've got the space to come back to you again, and maybe next time they bring with them a cup, and maybe the next time they bring with them a pint pot, and you get to share all the things in a respectful way um, that is gentle and letting God use you. Gentleness and respect really matter. The way we share is almost as important as what we share. We don't have to have all the answers. That's God's job. You know, I could ask, around this room, there's probably a bunch of incredible stories about how you have seen God be faithful to you. How you know and are convinced that your hope in him is well-founded. That's the stuff he's given you to share with others, to point them to hope. So share it lovingly. 
But remember what's your role and what is his. People are saved by God's power, not by our persuasiveness. Let's come at this with an expectation that God's going to move. Let's get an appetite for the miraculous because Jesus doing good included him raising people from the dead and healing people and setting people free. And he says, I've got this stuff for you. I've got miraculous breakthrough to bring through you if you'll be in step with my spirit and what I want to do. Maybe this morning there's a challenge for some of us to maybe be a bit bolder, risk a bit more and worry a bit less about our comfort, worry less about failing, know that we are loved and cherished in his sight. That's the only opinion that really matters. So as we're just coming into land, Graham's going to come back and join us. But there's an invitation this morning to leave this place different with a hope and a call to step out as people that are planted and rooted in God, that get to signpost others to the life and the hope that we have. There's hope in this room for God to start healing some of the stuff that's maybe been hidden for years. It's not hidden from him. There's hope for restoration here. There's hope for stepping free from shame. There's hope for knowing the one who loves you beyond all measure. But this hope isn't just for us. He wants it to spill out as the blessing of God comes to those that surround us. There's hope to know this Jesus. Maybe, as I've been talking, a little niggle has come that maybe I just want to know more about this Jesus. We're going to be waiting on God in a minute as we worship. Maybe you might want to be brave and have a chat with the person that brought you. Maybe ask questions why they've got that hope. What does it mean to know this Jesus? We've got an Alpha course coming up here soon. Or any of us that have been at the front would just love to chat with you and pray with you. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit is transforming us and he's equipping us, that he wants a big family, that everybody is welcome. That he wants to work with us to help us fulfill the destiny that he put into each one of us, of pointing others to God and living in his freedom. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to hand you over to Graham as we respond. Lord God, I thank you for the words of Isaiah 40 that we are loved by an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who doesn't grow tired and weary, who understands us, who strengthens the weary, who increases the power of the weak. This morning, Lord, we pray, turn us to you, turn us to put our hope in you, that you will renew our strength rather than us operating in our own. Father, I pray for a spirit of hope to rise in our hearts, to rise in this room, a spirit of expectation, of knowing you more. A spirit of security, that strong, firm anchor that we know that we are loved by the creator of the universe beyond all measure, that there is hope for our future and that our eternity with you is secure. So we pray, Spirit, move amongst us, convict our hearts of the stuff that you want to speak. Help us to know you more, we pray, Lord. Amen.